everybody. I wanted to hold off on releasing this podcast um, a week later because I felt that it was important for us to be focused and to be able to hear the heart of the guests that I have on today's podcast. If this is your first time joining, it is the Becoming Resilient podcast with yours truly, Patricia Russell. I am a cancer conqueror and you're going to have conversations on these podcasts about not only cancer, but things and situations that have helped to make you become more resilient. Because I believe that every experience and every challenge is an opportunity for us to develop that muscle of resilience. I'd like to share something from somebody that's very close to me, and he has gone through his journey. And these are some of his thoughts because November is mental health month for men and mental and sexual and physical prostate health. And so I want to focus on that in these two episodes, but I want to share something from something that he wrote, uh, just expressing his, his heart feelings. Maybe if you're a man listening to this and you share this or you share this with um, another male friend, they might be real able to relate to this in some way. I'm sure many black men do not talk about their feelings and keep it inside. Talking about it makes them seem weak. You do not know how to communicate with your spouse, much less try to intimate with them. That goes out the window and you feel lonely and your mental health is shaken to the core. You feel worthless as a man and you feel vulnerable. You wonder, is life worth living? Thoughts of suicide come into play, but then you stop. You think about your children. You want to see them grow up. You feel ashamed of yourself thinking that way. But hey, you are human. You take one day at a time. Be patient. That's the word that keeps coming back. Sometimes you say to yourself, what do I have to look forward to? Well, I want to let you know that he's come through and he's still struggles with some issues. But God has been very faithful and hope is here. Hope is here for him. Hope is here for you. And hope continues to be here for my very special guest that I'm looking forward to you hearing his heart and hearing about his journey through this very difficult conversation of prostate cancer. Well, here we are again. Honey, I have my BFF on, and again, thank you so much for your time and uh, for speaking and sharing about this very important topic uh, about around men's health that you can totally, thoroughly relate to. And um, I, you know, we're calling this uh, Tales of a Prostate Cancer Survivor, a Black Man's Perspective. I know it's a lot of words, but... Um, I'm using that title from uh, somebody very close to me who also mm -hmm. has gone through this situation. And I am using, I'm uh, going to be referring to something that he has written. Um, the The timing is not right for him to come on live, but honey, I, I thank you for being here and, and um, talking about this very important topic. So how are you doing today, first of all? <laughs> it's a pleasure being here. I'm doing great, actually. Uh, awesome. Yeah, it's been a good week. And uh, yeah, great to be here with you. 
Awesome. Thanks again. Let me ask you something. Um, has prostate cancer been anything that you ever researched or studied or was up on um, before when you're in your younger years, like even when we were newly married um, during our early days of marriage, was it something that you ever researched or were up on? It wasn't something I researched at all. I mean, I've heard the, the closest I've come to it is is people that I've heard that had it. And I would never think for a million years that I would have had it because it was not something, you know, I was healthy, an athlete, um, did a lot of training in my early years and uh, lived pretty well a healthy life. So it wasn't something that was close to my thoughts at all. So didn't do any research on it other than just hearing that people had it. So yeah, it was definitely a big surprise for me. <laughs> Can you give us a little bit of insight around um, how how is it that you found out that you had it? Did you have symptoms? Um, was there, was it from a physical? Um, I mean, I'm your wife, but educate um, the audience a little bit, share just a little bit about how you um, went to check or found, had the mm. diagnosis mm. come to life? Well, I, I must say, I am very glad for my um, yearly, you know, my yearly uh, tests and, and yearly physicals. That's uh, the thing that really helped me because I had no symptoms. I had nothing to, you know, some guys when they're having those things, they either they they can't go to the washroom or pee the way that they should. Um, there's so many different symptoms that will come up for guys, but I had none of those symptoms. So the only way that we caught it was my yearly physical that I would go to and my doctor noticed that something was off. And then we sent in, did a PSA test and sure enough, it came back that it was, um, it was higher than normal. So you know, that's how we discovered it. I have to commend you right there because yeah. it's it's true. You are one yeah. of the few men that I know that mm -hmm. has taken your health in hand. And I'm I know that you were responsible before, even before um, you know, when I was diagnosed, we we mm -hmm. both took a handle, uh, we were very intentional and very proactive about our health. And I I really admire that aspect about you because uh, not only as a man, but we know infamously that most black men do not go to the doctor, don't like to go to mm -hmm. the doctor and just mm -hmm. stay away from anything medical or clinical. So I admire you for that going for the test. When he said to you that the PSA was higher than normal, did anything mm -hmm. go off in your mind? Uh, when he said that, I, I honestly, I didn't even know what PSA was. <laughs> you know, what the right. heck was that? Right. And so, again, I had to go and really get it checked out. And when I got that checked out and said, that you, that's usually a marker for something else going on in your body. And uh, sure enough, when we did some further blood tests and so on, it showed that something was happening. And then when it really, how I really got to know that something was going on is when we did the biopsy and um, I found out uh, that I did have it. And it, I mean, it was still low. It was in the early stages. Mm -hmm. So I was glad that we were able to catch it through those yearly, yearly physicals. You know, that when the doctor says cough, cough, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a kind of thing that uh, 
that men don't want to get checked out. And you're right. Yeah, generally speaking, we don't want to go to the doctor and we we don't want to get those, especially those private places checked. Um, you know, yeah. again, when the doctor says cough and you and you cough as a guy and he, he checks you out. Um, those are things that we don't always want, but that was what uh, helped me to find out what was going on in my body. Well, for if this is a young person or if this is someone who really doesn't um, or really hasn't, I never want to take it for granted that uh, everybody knows what we're talking about. But um, the prostate, again, I've shared in the previous episode, is a small gland that sits just below the bladder in men. Um, mm-hmm. And issues such as needing to urinate a lot or blood in your semen can be signs that there is a problem. So what is PSA? PSA um, is, it stands for, it's a prostate specific antigen is a protein, which is made by your prostate and found in the blood. And so Mm -hmm. that's why the the score would have come up because when men, men, you go for your physical, that's, Mm -hmm. and even your age, I guess, as you're reaching a certain age, um, it's something that the doctors want to keep a close eye on uh, mm-hmm. as as a man, right? So PSA, this prostate-specific antigen, is found in both healthy cells and cancerous cells. So it's normal mm-hmm. to have some in your blood, but high or increasing PSA levels in your blood usually suggest problems mm-hmm. related to the past prostate and so mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's really a blood test right so that's what they did mm-hmm. yeah that, that's what they did at first they did the blood test and that's that's what uh you know demonstrated that there was something there um and then further to that after we did that just to confirm then we went ahead and did the biopsy Mm-hmm. And the biopsy, sure enough, I mean, even waiting for the biopsy to come back, there was definitely some anxiety there, you know, as I'm waiting for that. And when that came back and said that there was cancer, again, it was like somebody punched you in the stomach. Um, and then comes a long process of, okay, what do you do from here? There are so many things. Um, there's natural remedies, there's surgery, there's all sorts of things that people are telling you that you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the anxiety that comes, you know, and then you go on and go to the doctor and you check things out and they suggest what you can do and what are some of the ramifications of what can happen after you, after whether you go natural or whether you do surgery, some of the things that can happen in your body. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> some of those things that the news that came in those area wasn't too pleasant. And uh, yeah, so it, that that began the journey of um, of trying to deal with this whole prostate cancer situation. Tell me, um, or tell us, tell us what you um, what what are some of the feelings that you felt uh, when you heard those words? I know you were with me. Um, mm-hmm. You were sitting right with me when you heard the when you heard the doctor say those words. So, what did you feel? Um, paint the picture of how you felt like um, that in that moment. Yeah. Well, I felt, man, is, is this a joke? <laughs> is this some cosmic joke? Because uh, again, that was the last thing I was expecting. I was, right. you know, doing my thing, living life and going about uh, 
normal life. Like and not just living do. life because yeah. Um, yeah. folks need to know that you're, you're a full-time pastor. So you're, you're in yeah. full-time yeah. ministry. Uh, yeah. You are speaking to groups of people. You're interacting with people on a daily, mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. You're standing mm -hmm. before crowds of people and mm. you're telling them, you're encouraging them to have faith in God. You're letting them know that God is, God has an answer. He has a solution that they mm -hmm. can make it. You're encouraging them as somebody yeah. um, who is living, walking, breathing uh, God's faithfulness. Did you feel alone at that time? Or did you feel um, what, what, when it came to, what did you feel? Yeah, as I said, it felt like it. This is a big joke. I mean, how, how did this come about? I'm I mean, going about normal life. I'm living healthily. Um, you know, eating as I thought at that time, eating right and going about doing ministry and you know, you know, living life with my wife and children. And all of a sudden, you know, as I'm there encouraging people, and this, <laughs> here's this news. And so, definitely, it was a. It was a hit, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, and then all sorts of questions. Okay, when you hear the word cancer, especially you know in areas where you can't see, you know, where is it? Is it in other parts of your body, or is it just localized? Right. Um, and how is this going to affect me down the road? Am I going to die? <laughs> you know, so a big question. These things, is, is yeah, this all, it? All these, yeah, all these questions cross my mind. And, you right. Know, and and again, you're a pastor, but. And you trust in God, but it doesn't stop you from being human. And um, definitely, all those questions crossed my mind. And um, it wasn't something that I, I, it was a joke, but I knew it was also serious. And then I needed to take this seriously and um, and start to see how I can deal with it. And so I was glad to have you there, sweetie. And, um, you know, our doctor was very very good too in terms of um you know just being there and, and sharing information with us that was quite helpful but again yeah. it was so yeah that was our family doctor but the our urologist yeah um i'm not cutting him down or anything but um you know did you have to how did you manage that interaction was it warm? Was, was it fuzzy? Was it cold? Yeah, the, that... that one was not the best interaction at all for me because, again, he was he was kind of pushy. Um, he was definitely trying to get me to go a certain direction and basically saying that if I don't deal with this right away, that, that I could be, you know, well, you do this or it's your life, you know. It's a, so very, very pushy, not even giving me any information, you know, so that I can get informed of myself he's trying to tell me from his perspective how to deal with this so right. that that interaction with him was very very um very intimidating right um and it wasn't a good feeling at all so if i was to encourage any man out there when you get a diagnosis like this find somebody who could speak at your level at your pace mm -hmm. not somebody who's trying to push you into something that you may not be ready for Yes, it's serious, but you're not going to die at that moment, all right? Um, you need to take some time, or, or if you're going to die at all. I mean, there is there are treatments. Prostate cancer nowadays is, is survivable, especially when you catch it early. Right. Um, you know, but again, you need the proper information so that you can make an informed decision. 
and um, and and that was what. Uh, so after that, we just went to reading, we went to researching, and as I said before, I I didn't know anything about this topic. So we went to researching and reading and uh, getting informed about how to go along and, and deal with it. So yeah, information, information, information. You know, mm-hmm. we went to researching. Um, there was not. I'm trying to. I can, I've always tried to think who was it that we could speak to um, at that time about it, and not only because of. Uh, more because of the nature of the disease, because it's in men, men don't talk about their situation. They Mm -hmm. don't, it was not something like, it was not something that we could quickly see um, on the internet. And even Mm -hmm. in, um, even in the early days of information explosion on the internet, black men Mm -hmm. were not speaking about this issue, right? And men have a hard time articulating things in the first place. Right, and especially when, yeah, and, and especially when it uh, it comes with that area, you know, that area down there, you know, we don't always want to talk about it, and um, and it's not something that's easy to talk about. And when I got this, there was nobody that I knew of that had it um, that I could even talk to about it. So it was almost like it was an alone feeling mm-hmm. for me at that moment, um, not knowing who to talk to, not knowing anyone that went through it. Um, and so it's just reading and video, uh, video people, video testimonies of people that have gone through it. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that helped me through and just a, a lot of reading, as I said. But no one that I knew of that I could actually broach the subject with. So, right. Um, yeah. So that was very. Um, yeah. As the journey went on, um, I remember us talking with um, a family friend who put us on to somebody who was going through a high PSA at the time and was making, you know, made a few recommendations. He, he was also a pastor um, and that helped. What would you say to um, what what would you say to a man who um is refusing to go for a clinic. What do you say to black men on a whole who maybe they haven't gone for a physical, not even the last two and a half years that we've had this pandemic. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe they've been fine and stable, but they still see no need um, regardless of what the medical condition may be in their world. What do you say to them? I say, hey, bro, listen up here. It's time to go and get yourself checked out. It doesn't matter how you feel or embarrassed you think you may be. Um, get yourself checked out. Get in there. It, it's better to be safe than to be sorry, you know, mm-hmm. than to be having something developing in your body and you're not even sure. But because of your fear or because of your pride or what, whatever it may be, you don't go. Um, it's better you, you pick yourself up, get your good self up, and get to the doctor. Get yourself checked out. All right. It uh my dad used to say an ounce of uh, prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. So get in there and get it done. Get her done. Get her done. <laughs> get her get done. done. <laughs> but I'm scared, Pastor Wayne. I'm afraid. And I I don't want to know what that if you know, if my god dead, my god dead, mm. you know. Um, but it's important to think about your family and the people that you're interacting with. Mm-hmm. Um, you had somebody that you had a family that support was supporting you. What do you say to the young man that doesn't have 
doesn't have a close friend, doesn't, um, and is hesitant to even share if their father is alive or talk to another man. What do you say to them? It's, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to really be in somebody else's shoe in a sense, it's hard to know how people respond respond when they hear the news. Everybody responds differently. Some people they don't even respond; they react, mm -hmm. you know. And when they react, it's 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 like they close themselves off. Right. Um, but I'd say choose to respond, and and the right response would be to, especially in this day and age, there are many people who have had it. Uh, so I'd say ask questions, ask around, ask um, ask your your community, ask your pastor, ask someone, friends around, you know, do you know anybody who have had this? I've had a number of people who have who have asked me, and I've been able to share my story. Uh, people have asked me if I know of anyone who've gone through it, and I've been able to pass information on to them. So, yeah, that's the first thing. Ask, ask around. Ask mm -hmm. um, for people who could speak and be there for you. And again, don't journey alone, even if it's somebody that hasn't gone through it. Right. Um, it's good to have someone come along with you, whether they can pray with you or just talk with you. Someone right. that you can bounce things off. They can help you to research. You say you're a single man and, and, and you don't have a, a significant other. You don't have a spouse that uh, you can bounce this off. Yeah, have another brother help you to do some research. They can pray with you. They can encourage you. Uh, but uh, the main thing is don't journey this alone. Don't go through it alone. Find someone that you can trust, someone that, if, even if it's just one person, then you know that you're not going and facing this journey alone. So that, that would be my encouragement to you. Don't journey alone. Find someone that will be right there with you. And I believe that will be so encouraging for you as you begin this process. This is so good. This is so, um, this is so important. So good. And so glad that you said that because as you know, we've always said, if we didn't have each other, um, we would need to find somebody because mm. we've, you know, the saying goes that no man is an island. And if you try to go through a hard time, whether it's cancer, whether it's a financial difficulty, whether it's an emotional, um, difficulty, um, it is, it is, challenging to try to do it alone. And so, you know, you need to find someone, honey, I'm going to read something and I want to give, ask you to give some response to it. It was mm -hmm. um, written by somebody very close uh, to us where they also had that journey. And uh, this might really reflect how you feel. Um, the biopsy results had come back and uh, my urologist wanted to discuss the results with an appointment that was scheduled in his office. And at the end of his statement, the words, you have prostate cancer, he went into shock. My world stopped. Um, and it's he related it to um, his father passing away, the, the moment, the same way he felt when his father passed away from um, suddenly. And so coming out of the office, he, you know, he called his wife and, and said he had some news to share with her. Um, and, but he made this statement. He said, when I got home, we sat down in the bedroom and I told her the news. We both cried and hugged each other. And then he said, you savor that moment holding each other because your life is about to change after that. Mm -hmm. 
Is that a similar or different or does that express what might have been happening in your world, in your mind at that time? I don't want to put, I know how I felt, but how would you, how did you feel? Is, is, does that summarize it? I am I, usually an optimistic, upbeat person. And that's how I tried to take it. You know, I, I, I try to be as optimistic as I can be through the whole situation. It doesn't mean that there weren't moments that, as I said, it hit me like a ton of bricks. But I wasn't going to let it weigh me down to such an extent that I couldn't function. I, I got the news. It hit me. And again, everybody responds and, and reacts differently. But it, it did hit me. But at the same time, I said, no, I got to go on. And, um, and for me, I, I just said, okay, somehow I'm going to face this. And by the grace of God. And I, and I think that's partly what helped me was to know that there's that spiritual strength that came through. Right. There was that uh, support that I had from you, and, and even my children were very supportive. Um, you know, to know that there were, and one of the driving things for me is that yeah, people are depending on me, whether whether I have cancer or not. I've got a family that I got to take care of, so I don't have time for uh, you know to moping and and all those things around. Not to say again that emotions weren't there. Right. Um, they were there, and mm-hmm. I, I had the times when I said, man. I, why did this happen? Right. But at the same time, I, I recognized that I had to go on, and I couldn't make it to be the end of my world. Right. I had to. I had to keep going, and so I. Uh, yeah, I just went on and tried to learn and grow as much as I can uh, through the whole time. And when the sad moments came, I just I cried for a little, and then I got back up again. <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, I purposely not cried. to stay there. You cried. You cried. Did I see you cry? Yeah, yeah, you yeah I did. Yeah, I purpose not to stay there. So yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, if there was anything that you could say that you might have done differently, um, uh, is there anything that you might have done differently? Looking back, twenty twenty. I know twenty twenty. They say hindsight is. 2020 that the phrase I'm not sure if I'm mm-hmm. saying it right but is there anything differently that you might have done and this is not to be um I don't want to yeah just I'll just leave it at that um just looking back because my surgery took place in 2011 I got the diagnosis early 2011 and then September of 2011 or sorry November of 2011 is when I did the surgery and um, looking back, you know, so many people went another route. They tried to do it a little bit more naturally rather than doing a surgery. Because even my surgery itself was a was kind of a traumatic experience. Because even on the on the surgery table, they were supposed to be doing a robotic surgery, and not to scare anybody, but that that robotic surgery it didn't work. So they had to go through and do. Uh, do the regular surgery that actually the robot broke halfway through the surgery can you imagine the robot went to sleep (laughs) that's to tell you folks that nothing is hmm. nothing is foolproof you know so i I was i was asleep when they when that happened so i was glad i wasn't awake you know so uh again um looking back i'd say you be informed with the decision and be comfortable with the decision. Don't let anybody force you into any particular route. You you do your work. You measure your risk, and um, 
and you know your pros and cons, and you make the decisions for yourself. Um, I I I, I kind of look back and I said I, I kind of wish I didn't let some of those thoughts enter into me as much. Mm-hmm. You know, especially the ones that, that that the doctors spoke, they they it really threw me for a little bit there, and so um, yeah, you 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 make up your own your own mind. So did you feel forced in any way or did you, um, like, I felt intimidated. I felt intimidated Mm -hmm. in a certain way to, 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 to be quick in what I'm, um, I'm supposed to be doing rather than, you know, basically go on somebody's knowledge of what's to be done rather than me being informed, Okay. you know? So, uh, if anything, uh, even though I got informed, but I still felt like I was, I was, um, I was kind of pressured from that doctor's point of view. So did you so, feel that you wanted to wait more before making yeah. decisions? That yeah, I, I felt that I wanted yeah. to wanted to wait a little bit more and um okay. And and decide which way to go, even though I did eventually, but um okay. I felt that was kind of pushed that way. Okay. Um, you know, so again, make make decisions for yourself and looking back. But 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 for the most part, everything else I did, I I was very thankful the way it went. Um, the journey itself, though, I mean, that's probably for another part, <laughs> another topic of discussion here. Once you get the diagnosis and you get the surgery and what took place after surgery, all those things, I mean, that's a different journey by itself. Yeah, you know? that, that I the, you know what, it's funny. The diagnosis is not so much, uh, the diagnosis is painful, Mm-hmm. But again, you know, we talk about our journey in life. You know, we, you know, we've we've counseled and coached people who are going to get married, and we mm-hmm. say that you know, the wedding day, the whole engagement, the party is exciting, but once you step in through um, your private quarters and the journey begins, begins. that you know, mm-hmm. that's the 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 journey of living, the journey of. Mm-hmm falling down and healing mm-hmm. and growing mm-hmm. the journey of healing sometimes mm-hmm. can be more weighty exactly because i mean for me it was the 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 diagnosis was one thing as you said but then you get the surgery and the surgery itself is a is an ordeal and then once you go through the surgery then it's the healing after that and the recovery after that Right. Which itself is a, is another journey, especially when you're talking about down there, you know, and all the ramifications. Uh, down you know, there, where? Uh, just joking. Just joking. When, just joking. When, it, when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to recovery of, uh, of you know bodily use, you know your manhood, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, it's it, it, it's a journey, and, um, right? And that's something that uh, that that again is not the same for everyone, but it's. Um, it's it's definitely a process that you have to go through, you know. And uh, I don't know if you want to touch on any of that right now, but I could. Um, I think I want to. I'm think I'm. I'm not gonna. I I think we're gonna <laughs> tackle that another time because I know that is a very. Um, it's a very. I know it's deeply personal, and mm. um, but I know it's something that people want to know about and want to be encouraged about. But I just want to thank you very much for, um, you know, sharing this. Uh, with men and women who need to know about this, who need to be informed. I shared on the broadcast previous that uh, Black men 
uh, do not reflect or show up differently when it comes to this disease. It affects black men in a different way. And because we tend to be so closed in about it that Mm -hmm. sometimes you're experiencing symptoms that you don't want to discuss. And it's something that I feel, I really believe that God entrusted, I say that carefully, entrusted you to go through it. Um, One as a leader, one as a faith, two as a faith leader, and three as a black man, so that you can uh, share your experiences and so that you can be a light of hope for Mm -hmm. other men. And I'm so thankful uh, that you are. I'm so thankful that you've come through. And I'm so thankful that um, you were so willing to, to share about it because many would not. I want to close off by asking you this question, asking you a response to this as a man of a man of the cloth, as they would say, as a man in leadership. Mm-hmm. I want to, you know, we we quote a lot of things um, as believers. We read the scriptures and um, we want to we want to say we want to believe a lot of things and we want to quote scripture very strong and powerfully. But I want you to give me your feedback on how this one hits you. Philippians chapter three, verse 10 Um, The Apostle Paul is making a declaration here that I think many of us love to quote, but then when the rubber hits the road, as it did hit you, I want to know how you would identify, how you identified with this, if you remember reading this at that time. And it says, Paul was saying that I may know him. He had a desire to be like Christ. He said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. The writer of this says that I may know the fellowship of his suffering. Paul is essentially saying, I want to suffer. He's saying as much as I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, I also want to share in Christ's sufferings. So my question to you is, is that, are you, is that your, um, is that your response? Were you, would you be agreeing with Paul in that? In this situation of prostate cancer, this was suffering. This was a trial for you. But how how does that scripture now hit you when you read it and when you think about your sufferings? Well, um, theologically speaking, most of Paul's suffering was for the cause of Christ. And it was people persecuting him. It was people maligning him, throwing him in jail. And so when he said, I'd suffer for the cause of Christ, that was a tremendous thing that he was doing. But he also had a thorn in the flesh, you know, and 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 things that affected him. And we don't know what that was, whether it was a demon, whether it was a blindness, so many things that they said that, that could have been happening. But when you anybody suffers physically, um, it's, in a sense, it's, Suffering is something that is is just tremendous. And when I think about that, I think about how Christ suffered for us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like the scripture says, your your little suffering now is is nothing compared, compared to right. what he suffered for for all of us. Right. And and so when I think about, it, I think yes, okay, um, I'm kind of identifying a little bit about this is just my own suffering. But can you imagine suffering for every human being. So I kind of identified with that a little bit when I felt that pain and felt that, you know, the, the pain of the surgery, the pain of the recovery, it really got me to the place where I could identify a little bit with the suffering of Christ. 
um, with how what he felt like a little bit, um, and again, just minutely, um, how he how he must have felt carrying the whole weight of the world. This is just my little thing here, and I could barely tolerate it. Right. But you know, and I'm just getting a little taste of my own thing, you know. But how about carrying the weight of every human being physically, right. spiritually, socially? I mean, that that must have been tremendous weight that Christ was carrying. So for me, it was, um, you know, in those silent and lonely moments when I was feeling, you know, the physical pain. And yeah, and there was some physical pain. I really, it really enabled me to see. Okay, this is some of, yeah, some of what Christ was feeling—the loneliness. Right. I identified with that a little bit, right. as he was long, being alone on the cross, as he was alone on, you know, um, in so many different ways. I was able to get a little bit of taste of what he must have felt when he was carrying all our all our sin and shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that brought me a, a closer to appreciate um, what Jesus did for us and, um, and, and how suffering allows us to be able to open up and, and see our, how vulnerable we can be um, mm. oh my to, goodness. To, the, to the world and, and to the things around us and, and that we're finite, you know. So, that part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. part of feeling that, you know, you're, you're good and strong and I see how you lift those weights and, you know, you think <laughs> that you're, you know, Hercules, that you can lift yeah, all of yeah, those things. Yeah. And then yeah. you get just one part of your body, just one part of your body um, could be affected and mm-hmm. it just puts you in a place where you have to be dealing with all, a lot of mental uh, gymnastics mm-hmm. and a lot of mm-hmm. emotional and spiritual gymnastics mm-hmm. and things that you have to deal with in your heart and in your mind. And it mm-hmm. just kind of almost flattens you so that you realize and recognize your frailty and your yeah. human and your humanity. I mean, when talk about, you know, it talks about in Corinthians about the body, about when one part of the body hurts, how the rest of the body hurts, you know, and, and, and you know, how my, hand I had to help my leg move and you know and the rest of my body had to help the rest of the body just to just to help the when when I had to ease the pain I had to kind of sit up sometimes and my arms was helping my body to kind of help with the pain and and so again when one part of the body hurt the other hurt and so many illustrations came out of that time that season for right. me many illustrations came out of that and many identifications came out of that so uh, yeah, it was a, definitely a learning period and a growing period for me. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I want to thank you for this time that you sat with us. And I want to thank you for explaining your journey, sharing a bit about your journey on what it feels like to be diagnosed with this um, as we encourage men to take care of their mental, emotional, and physical mm. health and be attentive to listening to their bodies, be attentive to listening to uh, what's happening uh, within them, because those things that they're feeling are important. It's not only women that feel things, but a lot of times men pass Mm -hmm. it off. I want to thank you for being attentive to that, for not taking it lightly. And I want to thank you and celebrate you um, as you continue to share and speak with 
uh, men, black men, and encourage them to take care of their, not only their families, but to take care of their own selves and their own well-being. Um, is there anything else that you want to say uh, before we sign off? Uh, no, it's been an honor just to be here with you to share. And I, I hope and pray that uh, whoever, uh, wherever people are, whether you be a black man, white man, whatever man you are, and you are going through situations like this, that you will definitely uh, get some good people around you that can be an encouragement for you. Don't journey this alone. Um, but there are people that will be willing to be there with you, to pray with you, to encourage you, and to journey with you. So don't do it alone. God bless you. Thank you, Wayne Russell. Pastor Wayne Russell, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, we just want to continue to encourage you as a listener listening in on this, that remember, resilience is a muscle that you develop through every situation and challenge that you face. We look forward to being with you next time. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with somebody who can be encouraged and benefit from this. Until the next time. Bye-bye. Take care.